This is it. The putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budget, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow, all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Head to NetSuite.com slash C-Suite for special end-of-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Hello and welcome to Ascent Dental Radio, a program dedicated to the balance between the clinical aspect of healthcare and the business of healthcare. And now, here's your host, Dr. Kevin Coughlin. This is Dr. Kevin Coughlin. You're listening to Ascent Dental Solutions. This radio podcast is brought to you by Vocal Dental Supplies. As usual, we're here to talk about different areas of the dental profession, and today I have a special guest. Her name is Ms. Lisa Norton. She represents Vocal Company, but she has a unique background. She graduated from uh, Albany State University in New York and then went on and pursued uh, dental education and dental hygiene at Forsyth University. She practiced dental hygiene for many years and then for a variety of different reasons got into the consulting business. And as all of us know, in the field of dentistry, there is no more difficult department to manage and improve upon than the dental hygiene department. All of our dental uh, individuals struggle with some of these issues, and we hope that with Lisa's expertise and the background of her exceptional company, she's going to offer value to today's podcast. Lisa, thank you so much uh, for joining us on this podcast. We're excited to have you here. If you were to tell us over the years of experience as a dental hygienist and a consultant for Vocal, what would you say are the top problems in most dental hygiene departments? I think hygienists are faced with uh, multiple um, time constraints. Uh, There's a lot of expectation from the dentists that they're going to be able to take radiographs, treat the patient, educate the patient, uh, reschedule them, treatment plan for them in a very short period of time. One thing that I feel helps uh, to increase efficiency in this area is to streamline their systems or work with the hygienists to um, eliminate some of the extraneous um, conversation, use paperwork that can streamline the protocol and better communicate with the patients. um, So when the dentist does enter the treatment room, they're ready with what needs to be addressed by the dentist and have the backup of what they've already discussed with the patient. In your opinion, uh, with your background and expertise, 
What do you think the ideal time uh, frame is for uh, a hygiene patient, if there's such a thing? Uh, do you recommend 30 minutes, 40 minutes, 60 minutes, longer than 60 minutes? Do you recommend scheduling by procedure? Uh, we have almost 20 minutes, so you should be able to answer this fully and completely for our listeners. Well, you know, that's a loaded question, and I'm sure there are a lot of people on the other end listening to this waiting with bated breath on what my response will be. And I think it's really uh, different for every practice. I think that dependent on what the expectation is from the dentist and how large the practice is, what is expected to be accomplished within the appointment time, all those things need to be taken into consideration. I think that dependent on what the patient is appointed for will depend on the time that the hygienist needs. So I think the first thing the office needs to identify is what they're trying to achieve within that appointed time. Um, once that's identified, then the office should sit down as a team to evaluate how much time is going to be effective and efficient and then um, able to achieve what the hygienist is trying to achieve, what the doctor is trying to achieve, what the administrative staff is trying to achieve. It's multiple systems are in place and each one has to be addressed because the hygienist may present treatment that then has to go out to the treatment coordinator who has to address what the costs are, what the fees are. All those times need to be taken into consideration. So I think it would be unfair for me not knowing, you know, what the practice is to throw out a time. I can only speak from my experience where I worked on a 10-minute um, increment. We had a lot of... Um, freedom to appoint what we felt was necessary. If I had a perio maintenance patient that required only a deep cleaning for that day, but wasn't required an exam or radiographs or was due for um, periodontal probing, I could see them in 30 minutes. Now that was me having the autonomy to book that patient on my own, but all offices have very different systems in place. And as a, a practicing general dentist myself for 35 years, some of the problems that we all face is Mrs. Smith and Mr. Jones have been given a 60-minute slot. And of course, their dog got hit by a car, their child came down with a fever, they cancel, and now you're trying to find the appropriate patient for that appropriate time. And I think we all struggle with this. Some of the processes and procedures that I've put in place that may not be politically correct. It's what I call profiling. Is the patient a one, a two, a three, a four, or a five? One means they're the gold card. They're the American Express gold card. They have no insurance. They actually have been pre-approved by a soft credit check, and we know those patients are prior approved. So no matter how badly the periodontal need is, if the individual does not have the financial funds, they're probably not going to fulfill the treatment plan that's best for them. So we do a soft credit check to determine the financial situation, uh, which is generally done through either Wells Fargo or Care Credit. The second is categorizing the groups of patients. In our particular practice, we have five groups. Group one, they have no insurance, what we consider the gold card. Group two, they're over the age of 65. As a general rule of thumb, usually your home is paid for, your kids are out of college, and generally you're in a retirement mode and you can finally take care of your own needs. 
Type three, you have insurance, but that insurance allows you to balance bill, which is uh, almost a dinosaur in today's dental market, but they're still out there. Type four are government assistant plans. These plans, the government usually reduce your fees by between 60 and 70%, but you're guaranteed a fee. And generally, if you fill out the forms correctly, you're going to be paid within 45 days. And type five are those groups of patients that have insurance but do not allow us to balance bill that patient. Or if we do balance bill, we're taking a reduced fee because the dental office is signed up on a contractual basis that they're going to provide us with X amount of patients, but for that luxury, they're going to reduce our reasonable and customary fees. This way here, the hygiene department knows from a financial and didactic standpoint, the profile of a Mr. and Mrs. Smith before they go in. What's your feelings on that? And I hope you say positive, okay, because we're on air. Well, I I will say I worked in two different types of practices, one which um, we only participated with two insurances and one we participated with many insurances, including GHI, which was government, you know, all the government state workers, um, were signed up for, which was very low reimbursement. So we were faced with um, either only presenting what we felt the insurance would pay for or presenting to the patient their actual need and allowing them to accept or reject treatment. The way that we did it was we created a system where the fee was placed at the bottom with all of the therapies included. That included the fluoride varnish, that included each quad scale, that included oral irrigation. During that um, during that vis- visit where they were assessed based on their periodontal probing that they were a moderate periodontal case, um, if they were a GHI patient, they were shown what their payment was going to be in total, including the copayment, which were procedures that were not reimbursed by their insurance, which were out-of-pocket payment because they were not covered by GHI. Um, yes, it was a reduced rate, but it was... Um, as far as time, we were able to achieve a very effective um, treatment within a shorter period of time, you know, a 50-minute time where typically it might be 60 minutes or an hour and 10 minutes, um, just because we had the protocol and the procedure in place, sometimes even less, because we use the paperwork to streamline the efficiency of that chair time. And then when patients returned, we could rebook at a lower time frame. So I would say I'm probably in agreement with you in the sense that Time was taken into consideration, but we were able to shorten the time by streamlining the process. You're more efficient and more effective. Absolutely. I want to get into some nitty gritty. And uh, it's amazing to me the number of sealants that aren't done on premolars and second molars and first molars. The amount of fluoride that's not offered to our geriatric patients and to our adult patients. Uh, I'm amazed at the number of ancillary procedures that are so critical to overall dental health and care and the outcome of our prostheses uh, that can be implemented by a well-run hygiene department. Can you go into some data, some some procedures, some materials uh, that you find that are extremely helpful uh, for most uh, hygiene uh, programs? 
Absolutely. So one thing when I enter an office and meet with the hygiene department for a lunch period, um, you know, typically I'm there to talk about some of the systems I've used in the past, but also materials that my company um, offers to implement into their protocol. Um, I try to work with the ADA risk assessment forms um, to help the hygienists use a framework in which they're able to present fluoride um, to their patients. So again, we go back to streamlining the protocol. The ADA recommends about 80% of your practice should be receiving about uh, some type of fluoride adjunct therapy. Many practices aren't even aware of what their baseline is. So when we start to ask, or I start to ask the hygienists, you know, typically who are you offering fluoride to? They'll say all kids. And they don't necessarily take the risk into account. When we introduce or when I introduce the ADA risk assessment, they're able then to see, well, this is an objective opportunity for me to say to my patient that they are presenting in my chair at a high risk and I'm going to recommend an adjunct therapy. Often hygienists, I think, are faced with a struggle of selling product or selling procedure and not just administering care. So this takes that subjective part of their presentation out of it. And now they're using an objective form, which is the ADA, which almost everyone is aware of. And it adds a little bit of validity. Not that it needs to, but it does. More importantly, it's showing value. Absolutely. Uh, In the professional healthcare systems, selling has a negative connotation. Absolutely. But value has a positive connotation. Mm -hmm. And over and over again in my 35 years, uh, I'd be a hypocrite if I didn't say I'm interested in bumping my revenue. I'm interested in improving my numbers, increasing my profit. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would be wrong if I said anything else. But it should never come before patient care and service. So if you're selling a product that isn't delivering value, then I think you're a charlatan. If you're not selling a product and recommending a product that provides value, then I think you're not doing your job as well as you should, and the profession needs that. Can you talk specifically about some fluoride products that you've seen some phenomenal results uh, with Vocal in particular? Absolutely. We have a um, profluoride varnish is uh, a varnish that is very well received in hygiene practices. The application goes on clear. It's very thin. The flavors are great. We have um, caramel, melon, mint, cherry, and now bubblegum flavor. So it offers a wide range of options um, for hygienists. Plus, it's at a very competitive price point. You think about when you're offering a fluoride varnish to a patient and you're a little bit over a dollar application, it takes uh, less than a minute to apply. And you're offering your patient a service, an improvement in their oral health. And you're increasing your hygiene production, as you just talked about. So it's a win-win. This uh, fluoride product by Vocal, Mm -hmm. is it applied by a brush or is it applied by a swab or is it up to the hygienist and doctor to decide what works best? It actually comes with a brush. Mm -hmm. Um, It's it's packaged with the brush and it has a little well, so it's very easy to use. Um, It's unit dose. Um, We also have tubes available. Um, If doctors are concerned about the waste, um, there are tubes available with all the flavors. And uh, do you recommend that the area be isolated, uh, such as an isolite or a dry shield? No, actually, it sets with the saliva. So, um, you know, sometimes it will go on a little bit easier if you take a two by two and wipe the teeth and then just you swipe 
the tooth. You do not have to cover every surface. Um, it does become available in the saliva afterwards. Um, so not every surface needs to be covered. And home care instructions, uh, are the patients supposed to avoid uh, eating or drinking for 15 or 20 minutes uh, or can they go immediately to resume their uh, their diet? They can eat and drink. We ask that they avoid um, anything hot liquids or anything hard and crunchy. Um, if it is in the geriatric population at the end of the day, we ask that they avoid alcohol um, okay. for four hours. And they um, and the recommended um, time for it to be left on is about four hours. And as far as ADA codes, what would be the code that our listeners would be using? Um, it would be the varnish code, which is 01206. And that code that uh, you're talking about, uh, does the ADA do it by quadrant or by individual tooth? Do you know how uh, our listeners would build this? For example, if we're going to isolate the lower right quadrant, 28, 29, 30, and 31, is that billed as four individual surfaces or is it billed as just one varnish treatment? Well, there are there are more than one code you can use in this um, situation. Uh, so if you're doing localized areas, there is a desensitizing code. My apologies that I do not have that on me, and I don't want to um, mistaken the number for you. Um, so there is a code um, that I could you know do some research on and get back to you as far as desensitizing. So if you're working in a specific area, there are per tooth codes that can be used, but the one two zero six code is for the whole mouth for a varnish treatment. Okay, very good. And as far as uh, sealants, mm -hmm. uh, I know Vocal has some different sealants that are available. Could you speak to that? Right now, we just have the Grandio seal. Um, it's a 70% filled sealant, which is a great opportunity because that high filler allows um, for, um, you know, increased wear. It's going to hold up longer. Um, it goes on very easily. It has, um, we have a non-drip technology. So in the syringe, you don't pull back on the syringe to stop the material from flowing out. When you stop pressing, it stops flowing. So hygienists can really appreciate this um, type of application because they're not required to pick up um, a explorer afterwards to tease the material through or have to call the dentist in to adjust it down because it's too high. My name is Dr. Kevin Coughlin. We've been listening to Ascent Dental Solutions. This is about the 60th podcast that we've produced, and I have to give thanks to Mr. Doug Foresta, who uh, his company stand out and be heard. Without his expertise and his knowledge in podcasting, I certainly couldn't do this on my own, and I like at the end of each episode to thank Doug for his expertise. Today, I wanted to introduce Vocal and their ability to provide value not only because of their products, but their ability to bring people into your office, train those people, and help them to add value to our care and our service that we're already providing. I could tell you that our company, Bay State Dental, had 115,000 patient visits in 2016. And I cannot tell you whether it's large or small, you need proper processes and procedures and a well-trained team to support your organization. Uh, what I particularly care about with Vocal is their ability to come in and do lunch and learns to provide expertise to the staff that many times we as dentists don't have that expertise. We should, 
but many times we're confused on the new products. We're not sure how to use the new products. And many times we don't have a baseline. Experts like Lisa can come to our practice and help us improve more importantly than our bottom line, but our care and service to our patients. Lisa, I can't thank you enough and your company Vocal for uh, being here today. I'm sure we're going to be having you back. And thanks so much for your expertise. This is Dr. Kevin Coughlin. You've been listening to Ascent Dental Solutions. Thank you all for listening, and we look forward to talking to you in the next week. is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.